Hello. Hi. I'm Shannon. I'm Emma. And I'm Caroline. And welcome to This Podcast Doesn't Exist. We have a friend today, you guys. Woohoo! Well, we have friends all the time, but well, we have a friend true. in the studio <laughs> today. Our guest host, but not no, you're just a guest. I'm just a guest commentator this yeah. week. Yeah. There you go. A ghost commentator. She's here for the spoofs, the goofs, the jokes. <laughs> The spooky, the ooky, as of are we all the time. All um, the time. <laughs> and if people want to catch up on any of the spooky and the ooky that we've talked about in the past, where should they go, Emma? This podcast doesn't exist. Dot com. Dot com. You can find everything there. We have transcripts. We have our episodes. We have everywhere we live on social media, which is mostly Instagram. And you can see all the photos from today's episode there. But you will also can click a nice good button that says write in where you can <laughs> tell us all about you about us about anything you'd like to tell please tell the us world. about us because i would love some insight do you agree that shannon isn't any in gram one <laughs> Ding. and lawful evil he 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 look it's i repeat it's it's just justice if they deserve it it's not evil it's justice yeah well the lawful evil <laughs> it's a reasonable point thank you see I, caroline would understand something else that you can find on our website is our bingo card bingo which i would perhaps recommend <gasps> playing today oh my god wait should i pull out my phone i'm i i'm not stopping you it, so that's a yes <laughs> sure if you want to this is a... Guys, guess what I didn't do? Bring, bring your, my phone downstairs. Bring your phone downstairs. It's okay. I do. Yeah, she's got it. There you go. Caroline has it. You'll, you'll, you all will just we'll be play able to it. We'll play, play together. We'll slowly find it. There you go. Bingo in tandem. Because uh, there are some twists and turns in this episode today. <gasps> so... All right. We've got our bingo card. Awesome. And we've got our center marked off. Correct. Fabulous. That free spot. That logo. Get it. Get it. Get it. Get it. Ow. <laughs> okay. So today's topic is the Yonaguni Monument. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> the facial expressions from across the table. <laughs> Hilarious. I'm assuming maybe we, we haven't I, heard of it. I haven't heard of it. You okay. have never heard of it. Great. Okay. Fabulous. So it's described as the underwater Machu Picchu. <gasps> Or the Atlantis of the East. Ooh. And this rock structure has divided scientists for decades. Oh, my God. I'm so in love with this. This seems like an Ancient <laughs> Aliens episode, and I am here for it. So as as with anything that I talk about, I'm going to give you a little background, a yep, yep. little bit of context. Good. Um, also, caveat. I'm doing my best with pronunciation, y'all. So far, it sounds great. Wait, Thanks. so does this count on my bingo sheet of unsure pronunciation? Oh, just work? wait. Just wait. We'll get there. <laughs> also, she said Atlantis. <laughs> Preemptively. Oh, Atlantis. <laughs> and then I will say unsure pronunciation. So we have four squares marked Oh, we're already, already. We're rolling. You're on a roll. All right. So Yonaguni Island is the westernmost inhabited island of Japan, lying 108 kilometers which is 58 nautical miles or 67 miles from the east coast of Taiwan between the East China Sea and the Philippine Sea. It's part of the Yeyama Islands, which is an archipelago southwest of Okinawa. Oh, okay. We're I, lo I love that all of us went, oh, Japan. Got it. Yes, Japan. <laughs> correct. We're bad with maps here. but So sorry. We are not there photographers. We're so bad with what the world looks like. <laughs> Just shapes. There's That's just shapes. why I'm here this week. Great. Are you are you good with maps? 
Yes, I'm very good with directions. Really? Fabulous. That's My incredible. My husband gets lost when he goes outside of buildings. Oh, that's me. <laughs> I could walk to my childhood home from here. Oh, that's scary. I, I do not I mean, live anywhere. Great. Not. Yeah, you don't live close to it. Wow. That's incredible. Meanwhile, Emma. <laughs> I don't know my right from my left. Yeah, no. Why? We have stopped Wait at a, a stop sign and I've been like, turn right. And then she's like, got it. Turns nah. left. <laughs> One of the many reasons we would not succeed on The Amazing Race. No. But wait, you don't know your right from your left, yet you are good with directions. Yes. I have I have a good, like, spatial... She, she catches the vibes. But I'm not, like... If you were asking me, like, street directions, I wouldn't be able to get you there. I would gotcha. be able to, like... Oh, okay. So drive, you're, like, walk, you've like, got, like, visual. New England directions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, this is where the Rite Aid used to be. Turn Take a left. left at the Dunkin' Donuts, and then a right where the old elementary school used to be. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, that. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. Exactly. Wonderful. Established. <laughs> <laughs> Established that Caroline should be with you on The Amazing Race and not me. Yes. <laughs> Iconic. How are you with heights? hate them well we're screwed <laughs> uh weird foods Maybe we can different just... foods i should say Unus- texture is weird not good with mm. textures. Yes, what about spice love spice okay you could do the spicy mm-hmm. foods yeah you yeah. can do the spicy um, you can do the not we, we could you could split it you could split it fairly well down yeah. the middle yeah it'll be fine we'll just be like i did the last one you have to do it yeah. <laughs> rock paper 50, scissors 50 in the middle i could do the, the dancing ones the like learn the local cultural dance. oh yeah you could definitely do i could do that all right. Well, we'll start training with backpacks. I'm We're, like, know. running up and down the mall, like, in oh Capitol God, Hill. Because <laughs> you have to train with the backpacks because there's do. a lot Otherwise of running. you'll, like, yeah. probably die. Well, then immediately no for me. <laughs> immediately no. The ocean around Yonaguni is particularly popular to divers during the winter as there are large populations of hammerhead sharks that can be witnessed in the wild. Oh. I love, I'm sorry, I love hammerhead sharks. They're so cute and dumb looking. I love them. They also, their mouths are so small, they can't really, like, bite anybody. They also don't have the tendency to bite anyone. So. Wait, that's really interesting. I always thought they were just, like, I don't know, they're sharks. Yeah, but their mouths sharky. are really, really small. So, like, a great Aww. white, the almost their entire face is their mouth. Yeah, their whole head. Whereas the hammerhead shark, for some reason, I don't know. What well, is the its head is not situation? that tall, right? No, so, it's very flat. But I think, I believe, don't quote me on this, I think hammerhead sharks are more, like, scavengers. So they don't they don't need to be able to, like, kill something because like they just go in and they're like, hum, hum, oh, okay. hum, so they're like, hum, um, hum, whatever the wild animals are that do that. Like just mammals. Like, mammals. Yeah, scavengers, like the yeah. vultures. Like yes, the vultures, vultures. of the sea. Yeah. I love that you said mammals and my brain went, birds! Oh, that's also what I did. And I was like, wait, what's the answer? That's, Hyenas. That's, but at least there you knew go. what we were talking about in the general sense. In 1986, while looking for a good place to observe the sharks, Kihachiro Aratake, a director of the Yonaguni Cho Tourism Association. Very well done. Thank you. Noticed some singular seabed formations resembling architectural structures. In a video interview with the BBC, which is linked in the show notes, he describes getting goosebumps and that he also kept the discovery a secret for for some time because he felt like it was so like cool that he didn't want to tell anybody. I feel like that's a normal feeling. You want to make sure, one, that what you're seeing is really happening, but two, also, like, mine. Mine. I get to keep this. This is my bridge to Terabithia. (laughs) 
<laughs> I hated that book. Uh, yeah. We they don't traumatize kids through books enough anymore. No, it's all nice and like pleasant, well, soft landing. Yeah. Yeah. We where the web where the web phone grows. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> Emotional damage. Uh, third grade. Shout out to you, Miss Smith. Thanks for making that the read aloud. Any hoozles. Shortly thereafter, a group of scientists directed by Masaki Kimura visited the formations. And we're going to hear more about him later. Since its discovery in 1986, the monument has been a popular diving destination despite the strong currents in the area. So it's open for free diving. You don't have to like get a special pass or whatever, but you should definitely be an experienced uh, swimmer. Yeah, scuba. that seems unsafe. I mean, it, diving in general seems unsafe, but people do it, so I guess it's fine. And it's like open ocean. It's not like, um, what was his name? Ben McIntyre? McDaniels. McDaniels. Oof, that was stressful. That was stressful. That was a stressful episode. Did not enjoy. Anyway, but heads up. There are strong currents in the area. In 1997, Japanese industrialist Yasuo Watanabe, Watanabe, sponsored an informal expedition including quote pseudo archaeology writers john anthony west and graham hancock so ancient alien people <laughs> yeah that's my that's we'll my, get there okay oh, geologist I'm so excited. and fringe theorist robert shock photographer sanhath faya a few sports divers and instructors and a film crew for channel four and discovery channel the formations also referred to as the yaguni Island sub- submarine ruins are located below Aragabana Cliff at the southern tip of Yonaguni Island with its main face oriented south southwest. Which it definitely gave me a second, like anytime they referred to them as like the submarine ruins, because I was like, wait, where? And I was like, oh no, literally just like sub, like under the oh, ocean. Oh, I was thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> no. I was like, wait Sub- a minute. Marine. <laughs> Got it. Under the water. Yes. <laughs> the <laughs> literal <laughs> not the vehicle. Okay, great. Located <laughs> located at a depth of 85 feet or 26 meters. The monument is composed of medium to very fine sandstones and mudstones of the lower Miocene that the Yayama group believed to have been deposited about 20 million years ago. Rocks. Rocks. <laughs> Shout out to Mr. Roland from junior year. Most of the rocks in the formations are connected to the underlying rock mass as opposed to being assembled out of freestanding rocks. So they're not stacked on top of each other like if you were to build a wall out of rocks. Okay. They are like they're like fused together. Yeah. They're not freestanding and stacked together so we know what the monument is made of but how did it get there (laughs) marine geologist masaki kimura remember i said we'd come back to him claims that the formations are man-made stepped monoliths (laughs) which one of the articles made it made a point to say this and i just thought it was funny uh, these claims have been described by some as pseudo archaeological <laughs> which i was like that's so rude <laughs> he has identified quarry marks in the stone rudimentary characters etched onto carved faces and rocks sculpted into the likenesses of animals quote 
the characters and animal monuments in the water, which I have been able to partially recover in my laboratory, suggest the culture comes from the Asian continent, unquote. Okay. Another quote. One example I have described as an underwater sphinx resembles a Chinese or ancient Okinawan king, unquote. Kimura said he has identified 10 structures off Yonaguni and a further five related structures off the main island of Okinawa. In total, the ruins cover an area spanning 984 feet by 492 feet, which is 300 meters by 150 meters. The structures include the ruins of a castle, a triumphal arch, five temples, at least one large stadium, and a rock formation that looks like a turtle when viewed from above. Ooh. <laughs> ah. <laughs> a turtle. A turtle. <laughs> On the back of a great turtle. On the back of a great turtle. Uh, there, <laughs> that is a college story. Yeah. That we're not going to tell. No. There is a photo of the turtle rock in the that's, instagram that's really cool today honestly that's really cool turtles yeah. all the way down you guys <laughs> by john green by john green all of these are connected by roads and water channels and are partly shielded by what could be huge retaining walls therefore lending further credence to his theory that the monument is a remnant of a lost ancient civilization Ooh. Ooh. to which i wrote did somebody say Atlantis? Atlantis. Chimera first estimated that the formation must be at least 10,000 years old, dating it to a period where it would have been above water, and therefore surmised that the site may be a remnant of the mystical lost continent of Mu. Wait a minute. Really? No, I'm, I'm lying to you. No, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> AI, uh, AI wrote this. <laughs> I just really, I really, I, I enjoy the name. Yes, Moo. Moo. M-U. M-U is what I, yeah. The mystical idea of the land of Moo first appeared in the works of the British-American antiquarian Augustus Le Pongion. <laughs> 1825 to 1908. Would anyone be able to take that person seriously in real life? Because Augustus? Absolutely not. <laughs> My name is Augustus Pongion. <laughs> okay, but picture it's 1874. Yeah. They all had funny names. They, they all exactly. had great names. They would have been like Caroline. What kind of name is that? Ew. Emma? Shannon? Gross. <laughs> all of us <laughs> immediately shading each other's names. Gross. <laughs> anyway, so Augustus. Augustus Gloop. Augustus. <laughs> he wrote in some stuff after his investigations of the Maya ruins in Yucatan. Oh. <laughs> Look at our reactions are the exact same. Is there an echo in here? An echo. Le Pongyong got the name Mu from Charles Etienne Brasseur de Bourgeois. Okay, so we shouldn't have made fun of the other guy's name first. Yeah, Augustus had a good name. He got it, yeah. he got it good. He didn't have... Five of them. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like he's French, so. French. <laughs> so anyway, Charles, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, who in, uh, he got the name from Charles, who in 1864 mistranslated what was then called the Troano Codex, which is now called the Madrid Codex, using the Delanda alphabet. Charles believed that a word that he read as moo 
referred to a land that had been submerged by a catastrophe. <gasps> Augustus identified this lost land with Atlantis and identified it as a continent that had once existed in the Atlantic Ocean. He claimed that the civilization of ancient Egypt was founded by Queen Mu, a refugee from the land's demise. Oh, I love this legend now. This is great. <laughs> Other refugees supposedly fled to Central America and became the Maya. <gasps> Several other authors and or occultists would go on throughout history to expound on the possibility of the lost continent of Mu. Geologists dismiss the existence of Mu and the lost continent of Atlantis as physically impossible, as a continent can neither sink nor be destroyed in the short period of time asserted in legends and folklore and literature about these places. Makes sense. Science coming to ruin the day again. Kaimura later revised his original estimate, which, which was 10,000 years old, that okay. the monument was 10,000. He revised this original estimate in a report given to the 21st Pacific Science Congress in 2007, dating the monument back to 2,000 to 3,000 years ago because the sea level then was close to current levels. He suggested that after construction, tectonic activity caused the monument to be submerged below sea level. So just to give you, because numbers are hard. Yeah. Right? Thank you. Truly. Correct. So truly. He, <laughs> he thinks that the construction of the completion of the monument is somewhere in the ballpark of 2560 BC. Wow. Which would make it like 4,500 years old. Okay. I think I can conceptualize that. Okay. That's... It's hella old. Yeah. <laughs> it's old, bitch. But, you know, some people disagree with him. But if it's not a lost ancient civilization, then what? Or rather, should we say, who? <gasps> aliens, bitch. Yeah. And, you know, this ancient aliens bit is nothing new. But no. I'll still talk about it a little bit for those of you at home. Some people speculate that ancient civilizations wouldn't have had the smarts and or tools to accomplish such a racism. <laughs> such a monumental task, pun intended. Racism. Yes. yes. Uh, a common position is that deities from most, if not all, religions are extraterrestrial in origin, and that advanced technologies brought to Earth by ancient astronauts were interpreted as evidence of divine status by early humans. Paleocontact, or ancient astronaut narratives, first appeared in the early science fiction of the late 19th to early 20th century, including the 1898 novel Edison's Conquest of Mars and the works of H.P. Lovecraft. Ooh, a Rhode Islander. Cool. Yeah, he went to Brown for exactly one semester. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he got kicked out. It seems huh. it, it, it like follow, it follows in terms of his uh, <laughs> yeah because he believed in, in ancient aliens he believed in quite a lot of stuff supporters of artificial origin for the monument such as Graham Hancock also argue that while many of the features seen at Yonaguni are also seen in natural sandstone formations throughout the world the concentration of so many peculiar formations in such a small area is highly unlikely. Mm. So it's like, sure, you can see a stacked stone thing in the wild, but for it to be that many, that close, and so consistent. Yeah. Mm. Suspicious. Interesting. 
Interesting. Interesting, she says. They also point to the relative absence of loose blocks on the flat areas of the formation, which would be expected if they were formed solely by natural erosion and fracturing. Scientists who believe the formation was formed geologically have noted that the rocks are swept away by the strong currents. They're like, yeah, oh, that's, that's not. <laughs> yeah, that was my next question was, uh, but maybe ocean? <laughs> but Water. maybe ocean? Water. One such scientist, geologist Robert Schock, professor of science and mathematics at Boston University, believes that the creation of the monument is most likely natural. Okay. Shock observed the sandstones that make up the Yonaguni formation to, quote, contain numerous well-defined parallel bedding planes along which the layers easily separate, unquote. In another interview, he stated, quote, it's basic geology and classic stratigraphy, stratigraphy, rock stuff for sandstones, which tend to break along planes and give you these very straight edges, particularly in an area with lots of faults and tectonic activity, unquote. Okay, so like slate or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shale. Shale, yeah. 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 Okay, that makes sense. The one thing I picked up from my <laughs> geology class. class in college. There you go. Mandatory. You had a mandatory geology class? Yeah, it was like your science class and... Geology was one of the easier ones. Oh, I see. Yeah, I you see, weren't I see. an actual. You're like lab like, science. Science major. I see. Yeah, you had to do. A I lab took actually. weather and climate. <gasps> That's fascinating. <laughs> Clouds. That's actually exciting. <laughs> I I don't think I had a mandatory like I had a mandatory like science thing, but I don't think it was like here are the easiest ones to choose from. They were like you get chem or biology, pick one. Oh. So mm. when I went to when I was at Women Mary, so, gross. Yeah. Because that w- at that point, I was like, oh, I should have done this at Sweetbriar, where there was, like, fun classes. Yeah. Like weather. And or he, like- oh, he knew. Like, the first day of class, he was like, so how many of you are here to get your 8AB? And, like, all of us, like, art and theater majors are like, yes, hello? He's like, all right. Shock also believes that the drawings identified by Kamura are natural scratches on the rocks and suggests that the so-called walls are simply natural horizontal platforms that fell into a vertical position when the rock below them eroded and that the alleged roads are simply channels in the rock. I want to know what this guy thinks of Stonehenge. Not that I think that he's, he, you know, is lying about this research he's done, but like, yeah, I I don't know. Wait, which guy? The guy, shock. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Counterpoint to his idea that, like, they were horizontal, right? And then, like, this eroded. So it just was like, boop, now I'm a vertical wall. The presence of nearly vertical walls that are up to 25 meters high, almost to the surface, is kind of baffling. Because a natural explanation would require that the same force would have been applied equally all along that wall. Mm-hmm. Um, but the distribution of natural forces dramatically varies from the depths to yeah. the surface. Ooh. This is the amount of pressure, right? Yeah. So, so that's interesting. All right, Shock. I think I'm, I might be more on the ancient aliens guy's side yeah. here. Oh, I kept going back and forth. Right? This whole time. Scientists point out that there are similar striated rock structures on the land portion of Yonaguni Island. And you can see those really well in the BBC video that's okay. linked. 
below. Below in the show notes. We're not on YouTube. Links below. <laughs> Link in the doobly doo. She, she actually pointed. <laughs> I used to be a vlogger. It's fine. Yeah. John Anthony West visited the formation with shock and agreed that it was a natural formation and that Kaimura, quote, had not looked carefully enough at the natural processes at work, unquote, which feels like scientist shade. It really it is. is. Yeah. <laughs> Just it's like I have to be professional, but I don't think you looked close enough. But you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be professional, but you're... There, someone on the Wikipedia page about this clearly has strong opinions because they went in and they were like, after it was like, this scientist believes such and such. And then it was like, but that's inaccurate because such, this scientist is an R word. And I was like, someone should edit this. <gasps> what? Really? Oh, yeah. my god! Wikipedia, open source, guys. <laughs> Caroline is literally right now looking up the Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> Duh. Um, <laughs> she has to see it for herself. German geologist Wolf Wickman who studied the formations in 1999 during an expedition sp- organized by Spiegel TV in to- and in 2001 by invitation of Graham Hancock, concluded that they could have been formed by natural processes. Okay, so we're back on that side. <laughs> yeah. But before you settle on your own conclusions, okay. I have three words for you. Uh-oh. The Devil's Sea. What? What? <laughs> Though the notorious Bermuda Triangle tops the list of most mysterious places on the planet, a number of other locations across the globe are in the running. One such site is the Devil's Sea, also known as the Dragon's Triangle. Ooh, this sounds so cool. Located near the Japanese coast in the Pacific Ocean, the Devil's Sea which is referred to as Manoumi in J- Japanese, is one of the 12 vile vortices located around the Earth. Ooh. Also, vile vortices, new band name. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but like the Hex Girls from the Scooby-Doo, <gasps> the animated Scooby-Doo movie, the yeah, vile vortices. Yes. Um, the vile vortices are areas where the pull of the planet's electromagnetic waves is stronger than anywhere else. And you can look this up. There are maps that kind of show you where around the globe they're situated. And the Bermuda Triangle and the Dragon's Triangle are pretty much in the same region on the globe, just on kind of opposite sides. As the title indicates, the Dragon's Triangle extends as a triangle between Japan and the islands of Bonin, including a major portion of the Philippine Sea. The precise location, however, is disputed. Some reports state that it is 110 kilometers from Japan's east coast region, while another claims that it is located near Iwo Jima, a Japanese volcano island which is almost 1,200 kilometers from the Japanese coast. Since the Devil's Sea is not officially included on the map, the actual size and perimeter of the notorious waters remain unknown. The area has also been called the Pacific Bermuda Triangle, denoting its position that is precisely opposite to the Bermuda Triangle and its similarities in the paranormal phenomena of the area. So, like I said, they're in the same kind of area. We got two for the price of one here. Yeah. According to legends, the waters of the triangle are notorious for making even the strongest vessels disappear along with the crew aboard. 
The ill-fated region was known by the ancient Chinese, with old fables referring to it as far back as 1000 BC. Jeez. According to mythological accounts, a huge dragon inhabited this area of sea and lay in wait for any vessel to pass. The dragon, with the insatiable hunger, would drag any boat that crossed its path into the sea, never to be seen again. <laughs> we had two very different thoughts. <laughs> in reality, volcanic activity in the area could be the culprit for this dragon-like behavior. Mm. Water spouts, smoke, uh, fire, lava. Mm. So, yeah. I didn't even think. But that was cool. My brain was immediately going to like Nessie of like a, a water dragon. But mm. yeah, fire breathing. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm. Okay. It is said that the conqueror Kublai Khan, the fifth great Khan of the Mongol Empire and the grandson of Genghis Khan, had tried to make inroads into Japan in 1274 and 1281 AD. However, on both attempts, he failed to invade the country after losing his vessels and 40,000 crew members aboard in this triangular area, reportedly due to typhoons. Mm-hmm. And they have found wreckage from, like, the Mongol Empire. Fascinating, honestly. You know that the, like, we all know that, like, Pacific islanders were seafaring but like i never thought about the mongols like that yeah, yeah that they're like, like let's horses. go over there yeah yeah Ponies. they're like but let's go over here see what's happening let's let's go destroy some civilization let's go conquer Woo! some stuff in the later century especially in the 1940s and 1950s a number of fishing vessels and over five military vessels disappeared in the sea in an area that lies between Mayaki island and iwo jima as a result, Japan sent a research ship named Kayo Maru Number no. Five. <laughs> hey, what happened to the other four? A mumbo, mumbo, mumbo Italiano. Um, in 1952. Wait, sorry, I love it. We both are thinking mumbo number no. five. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of in my life. Both of us. Yeah, I know. We hey, com- we committed to the bit. It was the wrong bit, but we committed. Anyway, so <laughs> sharing a brain. Kayu Murrow number five uh, in, it was sent in 1952 to investigate the previously missing vessels that had been reported to have gone missing in the Dragon's Triangle. However, the research vessel with 31 crew members <gasps> aboard also met the destiny of the previous d- vessels and went into the Devil's Sea. Spooky. <laughs> the wreck of the Kayu Maru number five was recovered later. But the whereabouts of the crew members was never determined. I really don't like that. It's so scary. And I said, okay, pretty cool. But why do we care? Well, the Yonaguni Monument is located within the Devil's Triangle. Uh, Or the Dragon's Triangle. There we go. Devil's Sea, Dragon's Triangle. Got it. Okay. In conclusion... Neither the Japanese Agency for Cultural Affairs nor the government of Okinawa Prefecture recognized the oceanic features as important cultural artifacts, and neither government agency has carried out research or preservation work on the site. So, they're probably just cool natural rocks. Okay. Unless the government is hiding something, which is always a possibility. Because it was aliens. Yes. Aliens. And that's that. Yay! Well done. Thanks. 
Oh, surround sound. We love. <laughs> well done. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'm glad that it's like a... I was going to say it's another Bermuda Triangle, but like you said, like vile vortices. Like now I want to go and look at all of those. Yeah. And also there are two YouTube videos linked in the show notes of people going on dives to the monument. I think the it's not spooky. Okay. It's very chill. It's not creepy scuba footage like we've seen on like Lake Lanier or whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, it's bad. No, it's very chill. Literally, because it's usually winter. Uh <laughs> <laughs> but she's so funny i think you're able because it's a moving picture you're able to better get an idea of like how big it is and like you see other divers next to it versus still photos i don't think necessarily capture i was looking at photos while you were talking about it and it's like impressive but there is no scale i can't tell how big things are i can't tell if we're in like two feet of water yeah. Yeah. It's that's fair. It's a little confusing. So check Definitely out the videos. That. The BBC clip is pretty short too and is also you know, they're the BBC, so they got really high quality footage. And yeah, Caroline, thanks for being here. Yeah. Of course. An impromptu guest. She yeah. was literally in the na- legitimately just in the neighborhood. <laughs> yes. Of course I was. Just yeah. hanging. Just chilling. Just hanging. But yeah, if you want to be a guest and you know us in real life. <laughs> Let us know. Unless you're Tom King, chief archaeologist. Chief archaeologist Tom King, you are more than welcome to be on this show. Um, We love you. Big fan of your work. We're a huge fan of your work. Um, We know that you are in the DMV area. Because we we stalked you on LinkedIn. uh, Accidentally. um, And we would love to connect. So uh, whoever may know him, but also Crypt King Tom King, if you would like to be on, let us know if you still listen. We'll zoom you in. Yeah. At a, a convenient hour. hour. <laughs> anyway. All right, friends. Well, remember. This podcast doesn't exist. Caroline did not join in. She had no clue what was happening. Not really. <laughs> That's okay. We don't really know what's in happening. List, in the list of friends who love us but do not listen to us, Caroline is one. <laughs> I am number one. That's okay. I am number one. The, the ADHD is strong with our friend group. Very. You're welcome. Okay, okay, bye. 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 Podcast sponsored by Sweetbriar University. College. College. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Caroline didn't go there. It's fine. It's okay. Sorry. It's Sorry. okay. You went to Radford, right? Yeah. Is that a university? Yeah. College. Okay. It's where my dad went to. Hmm. He fun. set a uh, dorm room on fire. <laughs> nice. Oh, the bones drama. Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. His long uh. 70s hair. He talks about his time at Radford as a blur. <laughs> yeah, exactly, which was why it would be it hilarious. It was the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. And I mean, the way, that, the way that he set the room on fire was he was playing a prank on one of his friends and took a record sleeve. And the usual prank was that you filled it with shaving cream and put it underneath the door of someone's room and then stamped on it so that it would, like, throw shaving cream into their room. Instead, what he did was he put lighter fluid inside of it and then, as he stamped on it, lit it on fire at the same time. And he thought it would just go out and then he'd be able to stamp on it, like, in order to put it out on the record player. It it made the person's closet catch on fire. (laughs) He told me this. He told me this on, like, a FaceTime, just, like, off the cuff and was like yeah i ran to the end of the hallway and felt like i needed to launch myself out of the window but i didn't because i threw the did. he threw the record thing outside of the window with the lighter fluid and then went back to his room and sat down and was like should i call the fire department i yes. don't know <laughs>
The bone shaman is what? Where do you think I got my chaos demonism? It is from that man and that man only. Yeah. He seems mellow and sweet now, but I don't know. I feel like it's it's like it like skipped your mom, but I feel like Noni has a little Oh, she's got some hedonism spice. in her. Wild. Yeah, she's a little spicy. Yeah. She's a bit spicy. All right. Luckily though, for that crime, we are long past, past the yeah, statute, statute of limitations. limitations. <laughs> Jinx. Yes. Uh. Absolutely. <laughs> Quote, the characters and animal, blah, 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 start over. Quote, the animals, quote, the characters and animal, amnial. <laughs> the fact that you've been doing it, you did it twice in a row. It's so good. Aww. I don't think, I don't think I could even say what you're trying animal to say. Animal monuments. Aminal? Like, what animal you... monuments. I want to know what you were saying before. Aminal. Aminal. <laughs> that's a word amunal shut up <laughs> maybe it's like annual animal road races or something i don't know Am- they, they have the a conference amunal, the amunal race <laughs> those playing along at home that is the second occurrence of random singing <laughs> you're welcome this episode was researched co-produced and marketed by shannon mccarthy co-produced and edited by Emma Kiley. Our theme song was composed and performed by Tom Emsley-Smith. The mailbag theme music was composed by Liam Kiley.